This is Passport Two, People and Places, brought to you by Jules Verne, taking you around the world, sharing memories and introducing you to the people at the heart of everything we do. I'm Abby, and in this series, I'll be delving into past adventures, inside stories, future journeys, inspiring you to discover the wonders of the world. This latest episode of Passport Two People and Places is all about Tanzania. Tanzania is breathtakingly beautiful. It boasts the highest concentration of wildlife in the world, but it's not all about the wildlife. The people are what make Tanzania so great. And I am beyond excited to be joined on this episode by David, founder of Tent with a View, our partners in Tanzania. David is going to talk about his years of experience in Tanzania, but not just his, his families and his friends that he's met along the way. So sit back, relax, and let us take you to Tanzania. Hello, David. Hi. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for joining us in London today. My pleasure on a lovely sunny morning. I know, it's unusual for London, isn't it? Well, no, unusual for me to be in London. So That's I assume it's like this all the time. No, unfortunately not. Very, very different to Tanzania. <laughs> <laughs> so today's episode is all about Tanzania. You are one of our partners in Tanzania. You escort our customers on one of probably my favourite itineraries. But one thing I wanted to share with you, you might have already seen this, is a customer sent us in a review from the last time they travelled with you. Um, so it was the first time they've travelled with you, not the first time they've travelled with Jules Verne. But I'm going to read it to you. I don't know if you've heard this. Have you? Well, I did have a sneaky little idea because somebody rang me from the UK in Tanzania and said, wow, you've got to see this thing. <laughs> I mean, I'll read you the review and then we can we can talk about it afterwards because I think it's probably one of the best reviews I've I've seen. And I promise it's not staged. It's a real review, is it not? <laughs> <laughs> we hope so. <laughs> okay, so this customer has said, I have travelled on many occasions with Jules Verne and never been disappointed. This time, however, you exceeded my every expectation. Your partner in Tanzania, Tent with a View, deserves 12 out of 10. What a company. They made sure that our experience was unbelievable from start to finish. Great places to say. Can't call them hotels as they were so much more than that. Welcoming, friendly staff with a huge knowledge who shared with us their animals, their culture and their way of life. Surprises at every turn, including awesome food, yes, in the middle of the Serengeti, and care. They cared for us as friends and we left feeling that warmth. Thank you, Jules Verne, for finding such an amazing travel partner. Everything was perfect from start to finish. Wow. Wow. What a review. No, I mean, that is unbelievable. That's it. I tell you what, that is what makes it all worthwhile. Genuinely, when you read something like that, yeah, you just feel a million dollars. Whatever else, whatever other motives there are to do something like this, yeah, things like that make you feel great. We prefer 14s out of 10. I'll just say that. Now. I mean, yes, Obviously, of 13s course. are dodgy, but 14s. It's, I mean, even just reading it is emotional. You can feel the emotion behind that review. And the fact that this customer has travelled with us many times before, but this is you know, probably their, their most heartfelt review, I think is just testament to what you do at Tent With A View. Well, I met the group. I was happened to be there 
arrived when they were ensconced, or they'd just arrived. They were all settled around the fireplace. And it was really lovely because I got out of the car and obviously they, they just assumed I was another client from another group or something yeah. that had turned up. And um, and when and I, I suspect the very lady was started talking to me and uh, talking about how great the trip was. And then when I told her who I was, she went, "Oh, this is yours!" And it was of course it was all like the bush over the. Uh, yes. And it was and it's a brilliant feeling. It's so good. You put so much work into making these things a bit a little bit ingenious, a little bit different. Yeah. And when somebody responds like that, it's magic. It is. So let's talk about the Bush Rover. So to me, the thing that I always go to with the Bush Rover and show people is that it's got a bath. So explain to our listeners, what is a Bush Rover? Why did you decide to invest in this for this, you know, for your company? And just, yeah, explain what a Bush Rover is. Well, if you forgive me my South African accent, and sorry for all those South Africans that that are now going to feel embarrassed, but what happened was quite a while ago, around about the time when apartheid finished, suddenly Africa opened up to South Africans. So lots of people came up and they were the first people that started to put roofs on the, you know, on the top of their car, sorry, tents on the top of their car. And so there was cars streaming up from Southern Africa into Tanzania. And we got, frankly, sort of slightly irritated because they'd all come and go, oh, stay in your car park, I don't want to pay for the tent. You know, <laughs> and um, so, you know, and put the tent up and we said, look, it's a, it's a lodge, you know, da, da, da. so I thought, right. And, and it sort of got under my skin, all these people coming with these little tents on top of the car. Of course. So we said, Massa and I, I said to my city, right, we're going to make our own version of a, of a rooftop uh, tent. And it's going to have a bath in it. And it's going to have a flushing loo in it. Yes. And so the flushing loo went in the passenger seat. And the funniest bit about that is when the team go out to drive the bush rovers into situ, one guy has to sit on the loo all the way, which, of course, elevates him. So he's creaked and he's got his head crushed against the roof while he's driving. Um, but the, ba- the bath in the back was the key thing. And, of course, whenever you showcase one, we do have one in the UK that yeah. occasionally goes out and about. And uh, the first, you know the reaction. As soon as somebody goes round the back, they go, ah, I've got a bath in the back. It's, it's the first <laughs> thing. Honestly, every time I'm lucky enough to go out and about and visit our travel agent partners, it's probably one of the first tours I go to because it captures their attention. Because I'm like, look at this beautiful bush rover. You are in the middle of the wildlife, da 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 but would you like a bubble bath? And then I show them the bath. And honestly, it's it's my go-to wow factor. There's certain tours that I think I pick out certain things to capture mm. people's attention, and that is is one of them. Of course, we do look. It's fun. Obviously, the idea is it puts a smile on people's faces. Yeah. You know, it is a driving Land Rover. Important to people not to know that you don't drive in it. It's yes. driven by a team put in situ for a period wherever the migration happens to be at that time, the yeah. wildebeest migration. So it's you don't drive in it, but everybody, of course, sneaks a, a chance to sit in the the driver's seat at some point while they're staying in the of room course. to get the photo. Has to be done, um, and of course, it means always we have to tell the guys please tidy up the driver's seat because officially it's actually partitioned off from the passenger seat, which is the toilet. Of course, so you have to go outside and round the back of the awning to get into the driver's seat, and of course. All our usually all the mechanics usually just leave their spanners lying around on the floor, <laughs> so you have to tidy it up because you know everyone's going to sneak in. But apart from the obvious fun factor, it's actually ridiculously comfortable. I mean, yeah. it's got a very fancy power system in it, so that it's got a shower as well, a stand-up shower within the awning, and you know, and that is a powerful shower. It's got a good a good system there, you know. So you have got the bath in the back. Probably everyone would like one bath just because you giggle as you're sitting in a bath yes. in the middle of the Serengeti in the back of a Land Rover. But, you know, the shower is a very practical thing at the side. You know, 
And the, probably the best bit about it in reality is, is the height, because you're going up these stairs and you're sitting, it's probably a good 12 feet up, you know, your feet are 12 feet up in the air when you're in the room. And you've even got, so up there you've got, you can get, you can sneak out onto the balcony and it can sometimes just be surrounded with wildebeest. Now you could never do that on ground level. No. You could never go out, your own danger, but more, more especially you'd frighten all the wildlife off, but you can sneak out onto your balcony and and enjoy all this stuff around which is magic and, and sometimes you know if the, some areas wildlife will come you know lions will walk right past the front of the room and you can sit outside i think it's a really unique selling point and i think it's a highlight of the tour but you don't stay in them every night do you it's only sort of no that's too i mean you've got you've got a great you know a great chance to to pass through all the northern parts of tanzania you know passing through some of the big names from you know, lake manyara and gorongora crater of course through into the Serengeti, and then finishing at, at uh, Lake Victoria, which, again, is sort of fantastic name. And it, the beauty there is you then suddenly get to you know, out on foot and on canoes and you cruise across the lake from a, a village where there's a beautiful, beautiful experience with a fish market. There's a, This one village is where all the fishermen come in. It's not just the fish market for that village. Yeah. You know, tens of different boats come in off the lake and the fishermen from all over the area sleep there bring in their catch and it's so vibrant and it's such a wonderful spectacle you know and it's great it's one of the you know sometimes the danger with cultural experiences in in developing nations are that either it's a bit too raw and you actually feel slightly afraid or yeah. slightly distanced or it's a bit too oriented towards you and you start thinking people are selling you things this is in that perfect position where you are welcomed in but you are just an observer and it's a wonderful thing. It's a, it's a super thing. So I think that's a really important addition to the, obviously the magnificent safari where yes. you're going to see a huge amount of game. What you do very well, in my opinion, is show real life, not set up life, but real life and real sort of culture within Tanzania. I think it's a massively important thing. I think if you are in, if you've got a hotel somewhere in Europe, you know, you want your your team, your waiters to be kind of perfect ghost that just slides by <laughs> and offers just a meticulous service. I think it's really important in a place like Tanzania to bridge the cultural divide. Because what you reckon, the longer I do this, the more I realize how many people want to engage. They mm. love the idea that they can connect, you know. Okay, you know, it's a bit male-oriented, but a classic example would be that, like, like all over Africa, everybody watches the football. So, yeah. you know, and it shocks people. You've got someone, maybe the guy who cleans the rooms has only got 12 words of English, but he can name the entire Arsenal team from yes. back to front, you yeah. know, and, and it sort of creates a silly little connection, but a nice connection. Definitely. But, but the point is then you get to the guys that run the restaurant and the, and the guides, and they really connect on their personalities. And what I love best on so many reviews and people visiting us is that they talk about the people yeah. oh we had such a great time with tino he's brilliant we've got this tino tastic cocktail it was amazing you know and, and this kind of stuff and that's wonderful because that that really does help to bridge the the big gap that exists yeah. i think between the continents definitely and do you think that i mean obviously you are going to tanzania and you're setting up the bush rovers but you're staying in camps and you're staying in hotels but do you feel that the way you do things is sustainable well, that, I mean, that's obviously a hard thing to maintain. Yeah. It's very much what we try to maintain. And the, and you've got to, we've got to be, you know, careful we don't get condescending about it in the sense that that you want people to have better lives. Mm -hmm. You want to encourage that. You want to encourage their traditions, but you want to encourage them to have better lives. 
and and it's a difficult one because we would all like we would all prefer everyone to have the beautiful thatched huts yeah because they look amazing but in the rainy season the roof falls off you yeah. know and they have to build it again so everybody wants a tin roof mm. and you understand that and you've got to go with that and and so it's it's a balance between encouraging people to be proud of their culture and then so perpetually supporting that that cultural that, that that continuation of the culture while at the same time perhaps realizing the realities that you know a growing population in Tanzania for instance that you can't keep herding cattle if you're Maasai some people are going to have to do other things some will herd them cattle but some will have to do other things so it's always a it's a delicate balance but but at the same time so we, we're always trying to keep that balance alive while offering more and more opportunities there's still a lot of people in rural communities that don't have opportunities and so a big piece of what we do is trying to encourage that as well. So you just touched on Maasai there. So tell me about Maasai. Well, we've got I mean, the the company is full of Maasai guys. You know, they're they're you know they're pastoralists originally from the Nile area. You know, they came down from the Nile. All these pastoralists, lots of pastoralist tr- tribes. The Maasai being the most famous, and of course they're very proud. And, and it's lovely that even the Tanzanian. You know, there are well over a hundred tribes in Tanzania, but even the Tanzanian people kind of lo- love the Maasai and, and the fact that they maintain their, their traditional garb and so on. I mean, for instance, no one else would wear anything other than the, the company uniform each day. But all the Maasai guys, whether they're a waiter or whether they're a manager, just tip up in their full Maasai robes any particular day and everyone just goes, wow, great, you can do that, you know. Yeah, that's, and that, that's fine, it's loud. And that's their thing and, it's, and that's what's brilliant. They maintain that, they're very proud of it and everybody else is very proud of it. Mm. And I think you said that, so. There's over what, 100, 100 different cultural tribes in, yeah. in Tanzania, but I think everyone's mind does go to the Maasai tribe, does it not? Well, it's obviously because of that. Yes. it's the most evocative, isn't it? The most, yeah. sort of, you know, it sort of evokes a lot of good feeling. I mean, there's battles. You know, I could go into deeper things about there are issues with pastoralists, you know, and farmers and things that aren't always perfect. But the world isn't perfect, and, no, and not. them maintaining their culture is a wonderful kind of centerpiece. Definitely. For us to focus around. And obviously, when you go through Ngorongoro, for instance, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the beauties of that is you drive, if you go, in, you go into the crater, and of course, it's it's a 27 kilometer wide sunken volcano. Yeah. And even when you hit the rim, you just go, wow. Yeah. You know, and then you drop in, and obviously, it's full of wildlife, a lot of it that doesn't get out. So there's, there's very interesting issues like inbreeding with lions and things yeah. because they don't actually mix enough. and. So there's, there's a lot of interesting dynamics around the crater in itself, but it's a phenomenal place for wildlife. But all around it, in the wider Ngorongoro is called the Ngorongoro Conservation Area. So mm-hmm. the crater is one piece of the much wider conservation area. All around the conservation area, Maasai live. So it's not actually a national park. Everywhere, oh, okay. All the other places are national parks. Right. Ngorongoro has its own authority because the Maasai allowed to still live in it. Yeah. So the interesting thing when you go through Ngorongoro is that, you know, you will see a herd of giraffe and a herd of wildebeest and a herd of zebra and then a guy in a red robe and a spear walking through with his ge- with his sheep and his goats <laughs> in the middle of them, you know, and that's fascinating in itself. And that's that's a dynamic that's existed for a long time yeah. um, that we'd like to be able to keep, maintain. So do you still get wowed? After oh, all this time? No, every day. I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I'm positively boring because when I, you know, off, when I'm not doing my job, I do it for fun, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'll go to other places in Africa or because I go see bears in Slovakia, whatever yes. the other things. Even if I'm in the, you know, in the Lake District or we're going to play some mull, I'm just going watching otters in mull. 
I love wildlife, and I, but I, I love Tanzania because it's also it's fragile. It's you know we think where we are now in the world and the issues of climate and and you know land use patterns and the shrinking wild world we have. Yeah, you know. Um, I would like to put this one in. You know, very few people would know that only four percent of mammals on the planet are wild. Oh wow! Ninety six of us are now livestock. Gosh! In certainly, in, certainly in terms of weight and biomass. So you know, these are stats. You really, yeah. it's so important we protect these areas. Yes. And um, so there's more to it in Tanzania. It's phenomenal. It's one of the last great countries. I mean, these vast, vast areas given over to wildlife protection. Um, it's really important we acknowledge it and look after it. So on that sort of a theme, tell me a little bit about the thought process behind your conservation departure. So it, it follows the same route as your not normal well, because your tours aren't normal. They're amazing. But it follows the same route. Is, am I right? It, it's the same trip. But at the end, I mean, these days, I think as an, as an extension on the, the normal trip, you can now go to Sudani. Sudani is a national park on the coast. Yeah. It's a small national park. Well, by Tanzanian standards, it's still eleven hundred square kilometers. So not that small. Yeah, but in the, <laughs> some of the, you know, we've, for instance, you know, Nyerere National Park in the south is bigger than Switzerland. Yeah, the Serengeti. You know, these are enormous places, but still, it's quite isolated because mm -hmm. north of it is large communities. Uh, south of it, Dar es Salaam, Bagamoyo, large community. Obviously, got the coast on one side, but it's a unique ecosystem, and there are traditionally. A lot of major corridors for wildlife to move from it out to the other parks. And of course, these corridors are under threat as people's populations grow. Yeah. So it's a great focus for that. And so a lot of the issues that you have in the conservation world, mm -hmm. everything from you know shrinking areas for wildlife to move, the disappearing corridors which they need to connect for certain types of food they need occasionally for for males to spread to breed. Males usually have far bigger territories and they'll, so male elephants, for instance, will move from park to park. Yeah. And these kind of things, all those things, there's a strong dynamic, the deforestation, you know, over-pastoralism, that's one of the issues that, you know, we don't want to talk about Maasai, but unfortunately there's too many cows and they yeah. go into these areas. So it has a lot of those things around the fringes of it. So we have our own research centre, which is going to become a UN Global Goal Centre, so it's going to move wow. to even wider things. Um, which I'm very excited about, but but it it's a kind of microcosm for just about everything you could think of. It's almost yeah. like save Sudani, save the planet message in some ways. So we've made it the centerpiece and researched turtles. We've got a big marine environment. There's a, there's a turtle breeding beach there, so there's a, a marine park. Uh, we've got lion projects. We've introduced zebra and impala. We've obviously had our big elephant projects over the years. Um, and now we increasingly we've got these big community projects, which are going to come under the UN banner. So talk to me about the migration then. So that's what most people think of when they're going to Tanzania. I'm going to see the great migration. But why would you go to Tanzania to see it on the Tanzania side? Well, I'm glad you asked me that one because <laughs> there's really only one side where you can well, find that's it. <laughs> because it's, look, this is, I mean, it takes me back to this whole idea that Tanzania as a, as a country is hidden in the shadows while its component parts super famous it's bursting with fabled destinations yeah. that loads of people have heard of well if you know if you stopped 100 people in the street and asked them where tanzania was a good number couldn't tell you no but if you ask them have you ever heard of the serengeti almost everyone would say yes mm -hmm. and then a, a sizable number would say it's in kenya or i don't know yeah. it's somewhere else but you told me it's in tanzania a lot would go where you know, and that apply, and that can apply to Zanzibar. You yeah. know, saying that you know 
a lot of people wouldn't know that Tanzania is Tanganyika and Zanzibar, so it's in the name. And having Ngorongoro Crater, Lake Victoria, the second largest expanse of fresh water on the planet, Lake Tanganyika, which is so deep that it's 17% of the world's fresh water. Huge parks all over the, beyond these ones that people have never heard of. Um, it's a phenomenal destination that that is hidden in its own name. And so, and, and Kenya's milked that for years. Well, good on, well done, Kenya. You know, they've done well for it. But it's, it's our time, time now, though. It's, Tanzania's time it's now. It's our time to let everyone know the reality. So <laughs> moving to the migration. Yes. So the first important thing is it's 365 days a year. Again, yes. a Kenyan phenomenon because people go in in July and August in Kenya and say that's when the migration is. And they would perpetuate that notion, of course, because that's when it's in Kenya. But for the entire year, it's in Tanzania. And for those two months, it's shared with the tiny pimple on the top of the Serengeti called the Masai Mara. He says very cynically, but it's, you know, genuinely speaking, you can visit the migration at any time of year. And it's still possible to see it virtually on your own, particularly when it's in the south. So December to March, um, we think on those horrible, cold, wet, miserable <laughs> nights in England, it is superb down in the south. Yeah. You've got the bush rovers in a brilliant place in the middle of nowhere, seven kilometers from the nearest other camp. So the only roads are our roads yes. to get to and from the camp. And it's full of wildebeest through that time. And they drop their young, which is a magic touch. February is when they all have their young. Yeah. It's a brilliant time to be down there. So that's still a point where you can actually see huge herds on your own. And what's the sound like? What what does it, is it just, because I can imagine it's just this roar coming through of just, well, you know, I, sounds of animals <laughs> and, you know, going well, fast. <laughs> what What is it? <laughs> Actually, you've just, you see, that's a wonderful evocation because the reality is you're going to giggle your head off now because <laughs> the reality is you, you wake up and you hear. I mean, And stuck in your head is just this constant. Even when you're out in game drive, you turn the car off, all around you. And then suddenly, in the middle of the night, well, you're just listening to this, well, you're probably half asleep, and then suddenly there's a... And the huge herd just comes pouring past the bush rovers, and obviously being chased by something. And so obviously that's a magic sound. I always thought that safaris would be the is the perfect trip for someone who's blind because probably the most evocative point is when it's dark and all the sounds are at their greatest. I mean, even just I I used to live in Zimbabwe and I remember just the sounds of nights of, of sort of the crickets going. Mm. But even that on safari, all of a sudden it goes quiet and then you hear, like you said, and it just the the noise erupts. Mm. I mean, I do remember previous safari sort of being sitting there thinking what was that noise what was that noise what was that noise because you, you are sort of aware but when you're in the bush rovers like you said because you're on top and you you know you're above everything you can sit on your balcony you don't need to be like what's going on what's, you can just listen to the sounds from the safety of your, your bubble bath or your balcony yes well it's it's funny because you, you know the reality especially if someone's not used to it They'll be checking the gap between the bottom of the awning and the, and the floor <laughs> on the bottom. They're wondering how easy it is to climb the stairs if you're a lion and, <laughs> and how secure the canvas door is. But no, the, of course, the reality is you want that adrenaline. Yeah. You want, I mean, because you will have all, all through the, the migration season, we've just left the Grumetti area 
you know, a couple of weeks ago and moved up north to the Mara area. Yeah. Um, and all the way through, there was a there was a lion pride that had just had some some cubs. So oh, they wow. so they were only they stayed within a few hundred meters of the and they were they were in the bush right behind the room. So every night they were calling so close, you know. And, and if you think you can hear a lion's call at five miles away, yeah. you can imagine what it's like at three hundred meters away. Gosh! You know, and so and they would come out in the middle of the night and walk through underneath the banders, and the males would roar. And you know, and, and that is such an it vibrates in your chest. It's that powerful. Yeah. And um, yeah, so those are th those are some of the magic moments. And then, so we've talked about the sounds and things, but also when you're in the middle of these camps, like you said, where there are no roads around you. You know, the nearest roads are miles and miles away. When you look up, the stars must be incredible because there's no light pollution. Well, I, I mean, obviously that, that's a really good point. When you've got a moon, it's incredible what you can see. So when you're in these areas with no artificial light pollution, the first thing is, so if there's a strong moon, the shadows are unbelievable and, and how far you can see is unbelievable. Never thought of that, actually. Yeah, well, that's the other way. That's the other side of it. Yeah. You just cannot believe the size of the shadow as you walk around. But obviously then that obscures the star. But when it's when there's no moon, the moon's gone. Obviously the stars are incredible. I mean, the blanket of stars is you know, just this vast Milky Way and millions of stars over your head just feels out of this world doesn't it? it it just being surrounded by wildlife and true wildlife and that's the one thing that i think obviously i'm a little bit biased jules verne is is our company but mm. the one thing i love about us is we go to some of the last truly wild places on earth it's not everyday norm i mean i know it's everyday norm for you but even you still get wowed by no, it no of course i do it's it, it's it's sort of like you know, it's my yoga to be out in that you know it's yeah i just sitting in that sitting on a rock in that environment or something by yourself is is just the most beautiful experience and i and i think that it, look it, no one can go somewhere like that and not be profoundly moved while they're obviously vast majority of people get home and you're back to normal life and something yeah. this is annoying you and that's whatever and, and it's all gone but while you're there i don't think it's i don't think i've ever met anyone that doesn't feel some profound connection with nature when they're in yeah. a place like that you know it puts you in touch i mean sometimes you know where i can i mean we well we went to sadani so you talk yeah. about the conservation trip you know it was great because people maybe been nervous about certain things you know, you know as you get to know the nature and in the end i had them walking across the salt flats at sadani following lion prints you know Gosh. let's see if you can find them right you know <laughs> Look, we so we're not going on a bear hunt we're going <laughs> on a lion hunt <laughs> exactly um you know and uh, and it's thrilling for everybody oh just it's just truly amazing isn't it and i think Oh God, it just makes me want to go tomorrow. Should we just go? Let's, yes. let's stop the podcast now and and head out there and and go looking for lions and zebras and giraffe and just everything. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Well, yeah, looking forward to the next group. Is there? Yeah, we've got one in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it won't yeah. be long. So, just to sort of touch on the people element, why has that always been at the forefront of your mind? Why has it always been so important that you have the very best? rangers and guides and well it, i think the key is to nurture the best tanzanians to get the best out of the people and to sort of give them the opportunity is massive and because you know the second my second day ever in tanzania i met masudi who's my partner in the business and my yeah. best mate yeah. and and um 
you know, and that's a wonderful thing to have. People have business partners for convenience and so on. And yeah. but you know, this is a massive friendship, and and the business, the company's grown through through the families. Basically, it's 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 his it's family. Is you know, it's two of his brothers are running camps. His daughter is the accountant. You know, they're all coming through the treadmill, and it's like cousins and nephews and nieces and everybody's yeah. in in different parts and we similar obviously... from your side as well though you're a family on you know well this we're side. hoping to get lily so you know our daughter lily adopted from from wanza um every year she goes back she goes and visits the home tries to help for a day a bit a little bit in the home yeah. where she came from which is super to, you know to keep that connection but obviously you know getting into i had a driving the land rover earlier this year did you yeah just in first gear, just around a big field. So but start them young. She, love did, it. she didn't kill any hippos or anything. Well, that's good. But uh, <laughs> no, she, but you know, get, nurturing her in that because obviously I'd love her to to take over as well. Of course. And uh, I would hope she would because you know it's it's you know it's so important for us to to offer the opportunities and build the teams and it's you know, the longevity is great. I think it's amazing though that you know she regularly gets to to go back and visit Tanzania and you have such a, a love for Tanzania, both yourself and your partner, Tara. You have this amazing love for the destination and the people. And I think it's amazing that she's she's got that at home. It's just... Well, it is, but it's home there. It's I mean, there is no difference. No. Being in Tanzania is home. It's exactly the same. It's, you know, that whole... The office is, you know, it's just an extended group of family, basically. And that that is a magic... Because that's the other thing, I think... You know, if you don't know that, you might be an assumption. You know, there's not very many positive images shown of Africa, are there? So a lot of no. people have a, a, some kind of innate fear of what's what's going to meet them on the ground. And that's why everyone's always shocked at just you meet a wonderful bunch of incredibly friendly people who actually, you know, they, they very rarely say anything naughty about each other. You know, because <laughs> people always assume in Swahili, they hear Swahili, they think they're saying something something naughty about the clients and they never do they no. never say anything they're, they're just so kind and, and gentle as a nation so the safari element of, of visiting Tanzania how does that work so explain to someone who's never been on a safari before sort of it's one it's the adrenaline I mean the adrenaline's mm. huge when you're sort of racing through looking for things but how how we never race dear we never race <laughs> never race very very <laughs> slow but how do you sort of explain to somebody who maybe has has arrived it's their first time doing a safari what is the norm you know how do you spot things what what's what's the plan well you, you know different destinations have uh, different feel to them so if you are you know you go into Lake Manyara and uh, it's quite well. It's actually two interesting things because it's it's quite heavily wooded. Okay. Um, so a lot of you drive. There's a big escarpment, and you're driving through woodland. So obviously it's quite intense. So things have to be close by. That's what they they made a play of saying we're famous for the tree climbing lions, which is a fantastic marketing ploy. But lions climb trees, you know. Yeah. Wherever you are, lions yeah. climb trees. <laughs> but they they made it their slogan, and people go, "Oh, the tree climbing lions of of Manyara." <laughs> um, but the reason they might say that, of course, is because it's quite intense experience because you're in the trees and so everything has to happen close by. And then, but then you hit the lake. Yeah. So obviously Lake Manyara, you then come out and it's this big open sort of soda flat with with flamingos and so on. So and great bird life. And then obviously a much more open view. So then you see herds of things, whether it be zebra or waterbuck, you know. Um, so there are different experiences in each park. And obviously mm -hmm. Serengeti is vast and yes. Um, and it's built around, you know, it's, it, you know, it, it, the savannas of Africa, in reality, the Serengeti. Yeah. So it's sort of, you know, you get this thing of 
because the Serengeti is so famous and so so um, so well used for documentaries. Yeah. People sort of assume that Africa is a big, great big savanna. It's yeah. 75% of all parks are woodland. Wow. Um, it's just that, that the Serengeti itself is just full of these big grassy plains and these copies. It's all sort of volcanic output that created the environment. And that's created the perfect, perfect atmosphere for these massive herds to move. Yeah. And that by itself is interesting. So again, being in the Serengeti, there are pockets of sedentary wildlife mm-hmm. with a totally different so there are, there are wildebeest that stay put in a few spots okay. outside the migration and they have a totally different pattern of life they drop their young in december not in january oh, or wow. february um and and the what the vast numbers come about because you have a micro microclimate which they follow so they get fresh amazing grass yeah and the net effect of the fresh amazing grass versus the extra energy to get to that grass is a positive one. So then you get that's why you get these incredible numbers. I know I keep saying how amazing it is, but just to be able to be in the middle of these wild areas and, like you said, all the different landscapes within one country is is just well, incredible. That's the thing. If you go from you know, Tarangiri, which is the big river down the middle, and some amazing elephant viewing, and then the then Manyara, then you drop in the crater, and of course all that brings with it a very intense game viewing. Obviously, there's a lot of cars because it's a small space, but it's an incredible place to be yeah. in. Um, and then the vastness of the Serengeti with the migration, you know, from a bush rover, you know, yeah. and then you you know come to the lake shore, and then you're cruising around on little canoes on our waterways, and and out in the big community thing with the fishing village which is a phenomenal thing to see and cruising on the lake i think by the time you finish that you get your 14 no, your 12 out of 10 sorry not yeah. 40, 000. 12 out of 10 <laughs> so david on this podcast i always ask the same question to our guests um i think i know your answer i think it's going to be tanzania but you might surprise me so where in the world has captured your heart the most well i'm going a bit more specific than that okay there's a small lake in one of the parks in Tanzania okay. called Lake Mzizimir. And it was where I spent my first week with Tara, my now wife, Aww. 29 years ago now. And um, when I first met her, and we broke up 17 times after that before we finally <laughs> got married. So, But going back to that time and... Uh, it's just a, a magic, it's a spot. It's the spot, you know, it's the kind of spot where you put your ashes or whatever. It's that spot to me now. Wow. And it's this beautiful spot on a lake, totally cut off from everywhere else. You can only access it at a certain time of year through one way. Gosh. And, uh, and I went there, and I remember she was there, and when she left, of course I was sad and, and mooching around, and I even found a little hairband that she oh. lost. It was sitting on a tree two weeks later, so it's kind of, that's my magic spot. That is your the place that captured your heart the That's most. That's the part that captured that the very place, the very millimeter that captured my heart. That's probably the most sort of exact place that anyone's ever <laughs> said, but I love it. That's and I'm sure Tara will love that too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I think it's been just inspirational hearing your story but as well as you know the story of of tanzania and everything you do out there so thank you so much for for joining us well thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure next time we'll do it live from the serengeti absolutely yes it's a date perfect gary busana <laughs> thank you david cheers 
We hope you've enjoyed the latest episode of Passport 2 People and Places. Look out for our next episode where we'll be talking to more guests about the people and places that have inspired them the most. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please do get in touch. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.